I have a very distinct memory of sitting in the middle of the arena, just crying thinking, I don't know what to do with this horse. I can't sell her because she'll not end up, she won't end up anywhere good. Just like with the other ones, but I don't know what to do with her. I don't feel like I'm suited to this horse or able to take to train her the way that she needs to be trained. I've tried everything that I know. I've maxed out my potential or my capabilities in this situation. She needs a different rider or a different trainer. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Willing Equine Podcast. We are recording this in my car during my commutes to and from my work, so the audio may not be super clear, and also my daughter is with me in the car, so you may hear her little comments throughout the podcast. But otherwise, hopefully you can enjoy this podcast and we can discuss all sorts of interesting topics that have to do with making a positive impact on your relationship with your horse. I recently started reading a book by Denny Emerson called Know Better to Do Better. And while the book is a really good book so far, I'm about halfway through, I'm not going to lie and say that it was a struggle for me, or it wasn't a struggle for me to get through the first couple pages. I actually was very tempted to, you know, toss the book to the side because of the first couple pages gave me a really bad taste in my mouth. I just, the there was so much talk about horses being expendable and buying and selling horses, trading up, trading in, getting a different horse, getting one that fits you better, getting um, the next level horse. And we, it just felt like we were talking about sports equipment and a piece of machinery, something to be used for our gain, a means to an end, so to speak, a stepping stone to our goals and desires and aspirations. When we're dealing with live animals, we're dealing with live animals that have feelings, that have emotions, that have needs that need to be met, that go through very similar experiences to us when in and throughout life as a entirely so when we talk about rehoming horses and and just selling them to the next home it's rarely thought about how much trauma the horse goes through during one of those situations we think about these types of passing horses around where we want to sell the horse to get a different horse trade the horse in or maybe we bought a horse that was a little quote-unquote too much for us and so we want to sell that horse and get a different one that fits our needs a little bit better great except for every time that horse train changes homes every time they're expected to readjust to a new environment to new other horses that are around to new humans to new ways of riding to new you know every rider even rides a little bit different even if you're using the same method I don't care if you're training with the exact same method and have the exact same goals for the horse every rider is different every home is different every lifestyle is different the environment the feed everything is different And when we put these horses through these changes, it's really hard on them. The, sometimes it's very traumatic and it can, um, create significant, um, emotional imbalances and physical imbalances as far as creating uh, depression. So separation from a companion can cause a horse to become severely depressed and have a sense of loss, just like a human. And changes of environment, it's highly stressful. The changes of feed, all of that can then trigger ulcers. It can trigger um, 
physical changes. It can weaken the immune system, making the horse susceptible to becoming ill or getting things like EPM, so neurological disorders, and so much more. So all of these changes that we just expect the horse to go through just because we feel like it are hard on them. And I don't think that we put a lot of thought into this. We feel that because we understand that the horse is going to a good home or that we think it's going to be better for the horse to have a, a new rider. Maybe that rider will, will tell ourselves, we just don't get along, so it'll be better for the horse to have a different rider. They'll get along better and the horse will be happier. I don't know how much of that is truth and how much of that is us justifying actions for our own gain. It really depends on the individual situation and the individual uh, human and the preparation that is put into that transition and the individual horse. But I can tell you really with great confidence that the majority of cases, this is not the case, that in most cases it's better for the horse to remain where it is and for that human to make the necessary changes to make to help the horse be happy and confident in the relationship with them after all a horse is happy being just a horse a horse is a horse Um, they are happy to graze to be out in the pasture to have their companions to eat to have water shelter shade once their needs are met A horse is happy to do just that. It's us that have goals and aspirations. It's us that that want to go to the Olympics. It's us that wants to teach our horses to backpack across the country. We have these goals for our horses. They don't have these goals. So that ultimately puts that responsibility of preparing the horse for that goal, making the necessary changes for that goal and all of that on us. And... If we want to back it all the way up, if your goal is to backpack across the country, we need to be making wise decisions about when we're committing to a horse. If that's your goal, committing to buying a little 11 hand high pony with a crooked front leg is not setting you or that pony up for success. They are not going to be able to achieve the goal that you want for both of you. So making wise decisions in the very, very beginning, which I will say the Denny Emerson book has been excellent about being very bluntly honest about and and it's he's even it's comical just how blunt he is and I love it. But so making those decisions at the beginning are critical. They are absolutely critical. Hire a professional. Hire two professionals. Hire five. I don't care. Hire people to help you help have them help you make lists and be very you know um to help you balance that emotional decision making with the logical decision making and to keep those goals in front of you and that that'll really help especially if you're an emotional buyer when you see something that's really cute or really pretty and you just want to buy it because it just just feels right like me (laughs) I'm exactly that way then having somebody logical like my husband um, will really help because as much as yes you want to buy this really pretty horse and you feel like it's meant to be if you're not going to be happy in six months to a couple years because you never got to have that goal get to that goal then you're not helping anybody you're just not Um, 
buying that horse for a couple years just to turn them around again when you're unhappy is not going to help that horse. They need a home that is going to be committed to them and that is going to take care of them and be dedicated to their future and that their needs will be met and they that their future owner will have realistic expectations of them and goals that they are well suited to. So making those decisions early on is critical to the process. And then the next step is going to be making sure that you have the appropriate support system to help you achieve those goals with the horse's welfare and emotional state and physical state in mind and not even just in mind but as a priority which then brings me to the other point which is kind of combined is that you need to be prepared when that you're signing up to take responsibility for a new companion for a new member of your family for this living being that you're going to take responsibility for that something may happen something may happen to this horse and that goal will not be achievable that something they may injure themselves they maybe you're not buying the horse that you kind of thought you were buying and you know, you get them home and they start unpacking baggage and you're just like, whoa, we have a whole bunch of mess here that I had no idea was here. And it's going to take time to undo that and work through it. When you're taking responsibility for a living being, that needs to be a factor. It needs not even a factor. It needs to be a very real almost expectation of the situation that yes we'd like to have this goal that we'd go achieve but if the horse can't meet that goal for some reason I'm still dedicated to this horse I'm still dedicated to their welfare their their um, well-being and their future now this doesn't mean that um that it's a one-and-done situation that you can't ever have another horse or actually ever achieve your goals. There are options available. We could look at uh, retiring the horse, you know, finding an inexpensive place where their needs will be fully met and you'll be spending time with them still, but it's maybe not as expensive as a really nice boarding facility with training um within a training environment like arenas and such, So, the, or perhaps... You could find somebody to lease this horse. Um, you could find somebody that will will sometimes in some cases pay you money to come and uh, work with your horse and give the horse attention and training and do what it is that this horse needs while you still maintain responsibility for this horse, while you don't just give this horse away and, you know, move on to the next one because that horse didn't fit your needs. You're still assuming responsibility for this living being that you said, I, you know, I person am dedicated to taking care of you horse. You're still fulfilling that promise to the horse. And so there are, there are options. There's others out there as well. Every situation is going to be different, so I can't tell you exactly what's the best option for you. But I do want to make the strongest point that I have for keeping your horse, whether or not they're able to achieve the goals that you originally set out for. And that's that goals can change and that your horse always has something to teach you. There has never been a situation where a horse didn't have something to teach me that I just was above and beyond their skill level and it was time to move on. That has never happened to me. 
um, that I, when I was younger, was misled to believe that was the case. But looking back, I now see that that was entirely untrue, that that horse that I traded in, unfortunately, was or had so much to teach me had I just been open to it, had I just been okay with modifying my goals a little bit, if I had been flexible on the our future together and not have been so set on this, okay, I'm going to have this horse for two years, then it's time to move up to the next level, I'm going to keep going, keep going, keep going. And I actually quickly moved out of that frame of mind when I came, so I did that probably, I did that one time and I regret it. It was with my first horse. He was a really precious Arabian gelding. Um, His name was Napoleon. He was perfect. He took care of me. He took care of my younger sister. He took care of my mom and taught us all how to ride. And we had him for a very long time. And then he got injured and we sent him to a rehabilitation facility and then later he was rehomed at a therapy facility where he would just be doing in hand work, like where they would be leading him around with kids and such. And while that sounds like an ideal situation where my horse got injured, I um, would get to continue with my goals and my dreams as being a hunter jumper rider and move on to the next level, go to a circuit, all of that. I after about two homes, so he went to the um, rehabilitation facility and then he went to the therapy facility where he eventually burned out a little bit, which is really common with those facilities. They The horses can only take it for so long before they need to either have some rest or need to move on to a new job or a new home. Um, we lost track of him. Actually, I do remember there was one more home after that. He was homed with a another it was a young kid I can't exactly remember all I know is that the rehabilitation facility the first one that we home he went to after us found him severely neglected and took him back home and then they found him a new home after that and after that we lost track of him so that was when he was still in his middle, he was still middle age at that point he was probably 16 to 18 So if he was only 16 to 18 and we lost track of him, then he still at least had 10 more years, if not more, of unknown experiences in life. And his usability, quote unquote, usability was significantly decreasing as he got older, especially with his injury. So it's very likely that he ended up at auction and then sent to slaughter. I'm I'm not in denial at all this or maybe neglected or I'm not sure what I'm praying and I'm hoping that somebody put him down early on. That's the best case scenario I can think of. Well, best case scenario other than somebody made the promise that I failed to keep. You know, I was only 10 years old at this time, so I'm not too hard on myself, but I, uh, but it, it, you know, I would have hoped that my trainer at the time or my family or somebody would have told me, you know, no, we're dedicated to this horse and we're going to keep him and take care of him. Um, which was a really hard thing to do considering we lived in the middle of the city. Um, The facility that I kept him at was a very small boarding barn. There was like 40 horses on less than five acres. And and so when I'm talking small, I mean very small compared to the number of horses. And so we weren't, it was 
and, and board was really expensive, so it, and we, I wanted to keep showing, and it just, nothing was matching up, and it just seemed easier to just send this horse away. And I don't blame anybody for that decision, because it was kind of the normal at the time, and it's what was done. But I regret it every single day. Every time I think of him, I regret that decision. He had so much to teach me, and he, I could have moved on to something. I could have done trail riding with him. I could, once he went through his rehabilitation of, I think it was like four to six months, he just couldn't jump anymore. I could have moved, done dressage with him. I could have gotten into positive reinforcement training with him. We could have done liberty work. We could have, who knows, the, the options are endless. And maybe we could have found somewhere where we permanently retired him. And I went out to visit him regularly and I did all that other stuff with him. And it, you know, maybe was a fraction of the cost of the full board in the city, but I would have maintained responsibility for him and my promise to him. And I would have learned so much from him. So after Napoleon, I leased a horse and he was fantastic. Um, but he wasn't mine and that this was a perfect example of an ideal situation for somebody who doesn't want to send the horse out to be retired but probably wants to you know maybe wants to ride another horse or a situation where the rider knows that their goals are to reach the olympics and they know that they're going to have to quote unquote go through a bunch of horses to achieve that goal that they're not going to be able to make a commitment to one single horse that they need to ride one horse for a while then move on and move on to the next one this would be a leasing situation like I did with the second horse would be an ideal situation to me the owner maintains responsibility for this horse that they maintain their facility they maintain where the horse is kept they maintain that the horse has companionship and is well fed and well taken care of they are still actively involved with this horse but they are not maybe it, the horse's primary rider or maybe only a partial rider of this horse and that the rider with goals and aspirations that are very important important to them is able to ride this horse with you know have affection for this horse and be kind to this horse and be an excellent rider and learn and learn what it is they want to learn and but then move on when it's time for them to move on in their in their future when they want to take that next step and this horse is safe this horse is safe from ending up in the wrong hands of being traded around of changing homes over and over and over again this horse is going to be well cared for and a person has made a promise to this horse to take care of them so this the second horse I leased him from the barn manager and he lived there at the barn that I rode at this really small facility and he was had the same home the same environment but he during that time that I rode at that facility he had probably two or three different riders that leased him and they would a couple days a week or more do lessons with him and they would work with the trainers and you know and it wasn't just like he was a, a catch ride where it's just anybody jumped on him those riders were dedicated to him and they were his only rider for a couple years at a time so he had a consistent riding experience or training experience for multiple years at a time and the trainer of these riders was the same throughout his life so it was just the rider that was different and this worked out really well I did this for a long time and then I ended up 
I ended up buying a second horse. And this was the situation. This was so the second horse that I got, um, I bought him originally to do hunter jumpers and to show the A circuit with. He was young and still needed, you know, more training. And so we worked together for. I'd say like a year, two years doing the hunter jumper and the A circuits and all that. And we were doing fantastic, but things started to change and he ended up starting to have physical issues that we didn't at the time recognize as physical issues. We thought they were behavioral and it became very clear that he didn't want to jump anymore. So I had the perfect opportunity to change horses to say, okay, he's not working for my goals anymore. I'm going to change things and I'm going to sell him, find him a rider that will either do dressage with him or do um, low fences with him. Maybe he'll do better with low fences or maybe they just want to do flat work. You know, I'll just, I'll just trade him in. No big deal. He'll, it'll be better for him because we're not getting along right now and I have these goals and he's not fitting them so he won't be happy with me because I'm pushing him to do goals that he's not physically able to do those were all things I could have told myself and I had in the past I'm not saying I've never done that before and I had considered him as well but thankfully I had a little bit of a bad taste from the situation with my first horse and I felt really, I was young and I didn't, um, I always put 110% of my heart into everything. So I definitely was in a situation where I loved this horse and I didn't view him as a piece of sports equipment or a machine or a stepping stone. And I really didn't want to rehome him. I, and I was also worried about where he'd end up, a bucking horse under saddle that grinds his teeth and uh, even won't do his leads and is just anyway and a hard keeper and all these different issues that he had I just I just knew I knew that he was not going anywhere good if he left me I had made a promise to him that he was mine and that I would take care of him and that's what I was going to do and this was a little bit helpful so I'm not going to lie that this kind of helped the situation I had an interest in dressage so I actually made the switch over to dressage with him because it was better suited to him and I had made a promise to him to take care of him so I changed my goals and I figured you know what even if I go back to hunter jumper later this dressage is useful for every rider so if I spend a couple years doing this it's not going to hurt anybody and if I don't like it we'll figure out something else whatever I'm just going to try and do something that is for the horse and see where it takes us later on this horse we ended up retiring he did dressage for a couple years and again he so he did okay with the dressage but it was still very hard on him physically um he struggled he would grind his teeth still uh, long story short there, knowing what I know now, I know there were so many physical things going on with him. And he just, I think, or I, I'm really confident he had kissing spine and it was just painful to have a rider on his back. And then he injured himself pretty severely and it put him out of work for a long time, um, causing that kissing spine and everything else to get significantly worse 
when I decided to go back to riding or when I felt he was, or when the vet said he was ready to go back to ridden work, he was so weak on his, under his top, under the saddle that me riding him was causing him much more pain than it did when he was physically fit. And I didn't know enough to properly prepare him for a rider at the time. Anyway, that's a little bit of a tangent. But we decided to retire him, and I actually um, was ready to move on to the next level in dressage work. And my riding skills had advanced in dressage, and so the decision was made to buy another horse that would take me to the next level. But we kept that previous horse. We kept him and we retired him, and he lived on our we actually at this time had a ranch that we were able to keep him at but had we not had that we would have found a retirement facility for him um, there are a couple but you have to be careful with those uh, you have to check in with the horses frequently and it's preferable if you can find just like a uh, pasture board area near you that's just really low key maybe it's self-care um, that way you're not relying on somebody else to take care of your horse you want to be the one that is checking on him all the time just because some other sometimes people are not reliable when it's not their own horse. So again, another tangent, a little tidbit of information there. But we, so we, I did buy another horse that take me to the next level. But I didn't forget my commitment, my promise to that second horse. Uh, his name was Babe. I should have said his name earlier on. That would have been easier to refer to. But I did not forget my promise to Babe. And again, I was in that same situation where I couldn't guarantee he'd end up somewhere in a good place. I knew he wouldn't. Uh, I was really confident in that. And I'm even more so now confident in... Um, not confident. I guess confident isn't the right word. I am even more skeptical about rehoming horses now than I was then where even I I understand now that even horses that are well-trained that have excellent breeding that have a good job or and are are maybe sound are probably even sound can still end up in poor and bad situations situations where they might end up neglected or even um, in at the slaughterhouse I have watched the auctions, online auctions and in-person auctions for years now, and I see so many horses, so many beautiful, well-bred, with papers, sound horses going through auction for just dollars. I mean, we're talking maybe $100, $200 I can watch these horses go through. And a lot of times they're bought by kill buyers, and we think our horses are safe because, because they... Are, are well-bred because they are confirmationally correct because they have papers because they're well-trained because they're sound it's a reality check they're not safe unless they are in your hands unless you are the one taking care of them they are not safe and it's sad it's terrible it's a terrible reality but it's the truth there are very few horses that end up in good homes long term when you consider the lifespan of a horse you know 30 40 years that's in in see they say the average horse goes through seven homes in their lifetime i can really confidently say that many horses that last home that seventh home is not going to be a good place it's probably after that it's probably off to the you know off to slaughter or to the auction or being neglected when most not very many people are willing to keep around a 30 year old horse that's dead lame and has given up all of his best years of work earlier on 
and now he's just eating away at your bank account. I mean, think about yourself. Think about, I mean, even asking myself that question. I have two seniors right now, and I can tell you that they're very hard to maintain physically and um, and just with their dietary needs and their fitness needs and their medical needs, it's much harder to take care of a senior horse. So think about the horse people that you know. Think about yourself. Think about the people around you. How many of those people are willing to take on a senior horse so just to buy a 20- or 30-year-old horse? Probably not many. I don't know of any, actually. I can think of two people, or two or three people that I know of that would actually purposely say, yes, I will take your 30-year-old you know, horse that is really hard keeper and needs dental care and needs uh, chronic pain medication every day and is just going to drain my bank account. Okay, now think about all the horses that are out there. Think about your horses. Your horses will all end up that way one day. They will all get there. An option is euthanizing a little bit younger. Some people are avidly against euthanizing before the very, very last day. Uh, Some people are more passionate about euthanizing um, as a humane option earlier on as the horse is reaching the harder keeper years, the losing their teeth years, the uh, chronic pain medication years. Euthanasia at that point is probably a humane choice if the uh, alternative is being neglected or sent off to slaughter. But again, the ratios, the numbers of horses that are young and healthy and working, I mean, think about how hard it is to find that horse that is sound, beautiful, well-bred, knows his job perfectly, and doesn't have any behavioral issues. There's like a handful of them. And then, and everybody's looking for that handful of horses, and nobody's willing to go through the struggles with a horse that does have behavioral issues, a horse that does have medical needs, a horse that is a hard keeper, a horse that doesn't have papers, a horse that isn't sound. If we're trying to fix the slaughter situation, if we're trying to fix the neglect situation with how many horses are currently looking for homes or unwanted or shipped off to slaughter every day, it starts with people not selling their horses. It starts with people committing to their horses and making that promise to them that they'll keep them and and sticking with it and not trading in horses like their sports equipment or you know means to an end they are not horses are not a means to an end not in this day and age and they are your companion they are you they're yours they you are their caregiver they are your responsibility make that commitment to them if you're ready for it and stick with it. And if you're not ready for that commitment, and if you know your goals are bigger and are not bigger, but are going to require riding multiple horses or many horses, don't buy a horse. Don't buy a horse. Lease a horse. Work at a um, work as a working student at a training facility. Oh, you will get to ride so many horses. I know some of the best riders I know don't own horses, and they just work at facilities where they ride you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten horses a day. And that's what they do every day, all day. And they become excellent riders and they can reach those goals and they can get to their dreams without ever having to, to fall through on a a commitment that they've made to an animal and, and risking that animal's well-being in the future. 
really quick before I finish up this podcast, I want to talk about the ways a horse can teach you and the different options that you have with a horse that you have made a commitment to that you're not willing to trade in that, but isn't necessarily meeting the original goals that you had intended for with your horse that maybe you wanted to do that a circuit hunter jumper with this horse and that's not going to be a possibility anymore. Or maybe, maybe one day in the future it will be again, but we've come across a roadblock such as an injury or a behavioral issue that is making it seem like it's just not going to be possible this month, this year, then for the next couple of years. So other than the other options I gave you with retirement and um, finding a lease rider and such like that, and also changing uh, goals, so you know, like I did from the hunter jumper to the dressage, I there are other things that you can do. So there, there's there's a lot to be learned about horse training in general, about equine behavior in psychology and um, about working with horses that doesn't have to do with riding. There are things to know, things to do, things to learn outside of the specific discipline that will actually benefit your future in that discipline. Just like with the riding and learning how to ride dressage for benefiting hunter jumper work or jumper work, the same thing can happen in other areas. So we, I've had, for example, I want to do Western dressage with one of my mares and I'm still working towards this goal. I think it's a goal we're going to be able to achieve, but she has a lot of emotional baggage that we have to work through first. Originally, I thought when, well, originally when I got her, the goal was to do just trail riding. I was just going to trail ride with her and she was supposed to actually be my husband's trail riding horse. And this is tiger for everybody who follows me on social media. So this is, so she was supposed to be for my husband and my dad to trail ride on. And she was supposed to be a family safe horse. We're supposed to just be able to go out and trail ride. No big deal. That didn't happen. Within a couple of weeks, I realized that that was that I had made a severe mistake in reading what was going on with this horse and in the training situation and the environment that she came from, and it just became very obvious that this was not going to be possible for her. She needed a very sensitive, very educated, very in-tuned rider and trainer, and putting a novice on her was probably never going to be a possibility. So at this point... I took her on as my own personal horse and which I had already had responsibility for her before, but I wasn't personally going to be the one that was riding her, but she became mine and which I'm not sad about in, in the least, <laughs> but she became prim- solely mine. So I'm the only one that's really been able to ride her since we bought her six years ago, five or six years ago. And out of my family and my riders that I, coach and everything. So she, and even then though, my thought was, we'll just keep working towards and she'll be able to trail ride, which she can trail ride. But then I had this new goal of doing Western dressage with her and she just struggled. She struggled sometimes. And at the time she was struggling and she would have these explosions where she'd start bucking and rearing and bolting and dirty bucking. And it was very dangerous for the rider. So this was a case where I 
I have a very distinct memory of sitting in the middle of the arena, just crying, thinking, I don't know what to do with this horse. I can't sell her because she'll not end up, she won't end up anywhere good, just like with the other ones. But I don't know what to do with her. I don't feel like I'm suited to this horse or able to take to train her the way that she needs to be trained. I've tried everything that I know. I've maxed out my potential or my capabilities in this situation. She needs a different rider or a different trainer. But I also didn't think that I could, well, I, one, I couldn't afford a really big name trainer or somebody who was really good at their job or sending her anywhere. Two, I didn't really trust anybody. I've heard too many horror stories about sending your horses away and it not going well. And I knew that typically when you send your horse off somewhere, it's a short-term fix unless that trainer is going to work with you long-term. And I didn't know any trainers at the time that I was ready to work with in that way. Um, and, and there was a many, there was a lot of different factors, but I was basically at this this point where I didn't know what to do. I couldn't sell her. I didn't want to sell her because of where she'd end up, but I didn't know what to do with her. And she wasn't going to meet the goals that we, that I wanted at the time. And I was like, I'm just going to have, this horse is just going to do nothing. And I can't just keep a horse that does nothing because anyway, there's more information there. And, and that was years ago. And my mentality towards horses has changed dramatically in different ways as far as like you can listen to my first podcast about a horse's purpose. And so that particular area of my thinking has changed since this point, this breaking point with Tiger. But I started, I was like, okay, well, if nothing that I know is going to fix this situation is going to fix this horse, I need to learn something else. I need to learn something new. So I started diving into options. And at the time I had influences that had suggested looking into clicker training and positive reinforcement. And this is how I went down the path of training with positive reinforcement and getting where I am now. I Tiger was that, that breaking point, that moment where I didn't know what to do with her. She wasn't meeting my needs or my goals for her and for myself. She, it was not safe to rehome her without her ending up somewhere bad. She was dangerous to ride and I couldn't afford to keep a horse that wasn't, didn't have a job. So all of these problems, these things that people use as reasons to trade in the horse or to just get rid of the horse or put the horse down or whatever options you want to have or say you have that breaking point was a change in mentality, a learning opportunity and a pivotal point in my horsemanship journey by allowing that breaking point to change me by being open to it, changing me, I was able to open or tiger opened up and God, God and tiger (laughs) opened up a whole new world, a whole new world to me. It's the willing equine, all of that wouldn't have exist, wouldn't be around. It wouldn't exist. The, the goals I have now, the, the future, the potential, the opportunities, I, it's just mind blowing. It's totally mind blowing that this moment this breaking point moment where so easily I could have said, put her down or, or give her away or send her to auction or I don't even know what all the options I could have chosen or send her off to another trainer or seller or give her, or give her to an adoption or a rescue. All of these options 
I could have chosen and I chose to say, I'm going to change. I'm going to learn something new. I'm going to do what it takes to help this horse and to be this ho- the person that this horse needs me to be was just, just that situation is completely mind blowing to me now looking back at it. At the time I didn't realize what was coming, but that is why you shouldn't sell your horse. That is why you shouldn't give up on your horse. Let your horse teach you. Let your horse change your world, change your life, change your mentality, change your everything. Just let them. I'm just like, I'm super, um, I'm like speechless because my mind is just like, this is it. This is it. You need to let your horse be your teacher. We talk about all the time how the horse is the greatest teacher. Listen to your horse, you know, um, just we talk about this idea all the time but do we actually let them do do we hit these breaking points these moments where we can't figure it out or our horse is too dangerous for us or we don't know how to solve this problem or they are not meeting this goal do we hit those points and say well this is a learning opportunity this is my horse teaching me something this is this is a changing point for me do we let that happen or do we just blindly go forward and regardless of who we sacrifice, the horse is what I'm primarily talking about, but forget about the horse, forget about whatever I'm heading towards my goal. The horse needs to meet my goals. I'm going to tell myself that it's better for the horse to move on. But in reality, I'm kind of, and I'm going to say it, it's the blunt truth in my opinion, and it's probably an unpopular opinion, but selfishly moving forward, just thinking about ourselves and our goals and our aspirations are we just sacrificing the horse in one way or another for our aspirations and our goals and for ourselves? Or are we actually doing what we're doing for the horse and because we love horses and because we want the horse to teach us because we have made a promise to the horse that we will keep them and we will care for them and we will ensure the best possible life for them? Are we doing that for our horses? Thanks so much for listening. If you want to find out more, head to my website, thewillingequine.com. On there, I have a very extensive FAQ page that offers information and answers questions about training in general, as well as my training and services and more information about The Willing Equine. I'm also available on most major platforms, uh, social media platforms, that is, such as Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. On my website, there's also a blog. I'm an extremely prolific writer. I love to write. So besides my podcast, that's another way to get access to information that I share. And also feel free to leave feedback. I love to hear from you guys. I want to hear what you think, what you like, what you don't like about the podcast and any changes you might recommend. Um, So if you are listening through Apple Podcasts, feel free to leave a review through there, or you can contact me through my website or one of those social media platforms. And I look forward to talking to you in future podcast episodes.